0: on sales and visibility with proven mindset hacks and sneak peeks behind the scenes with what's working right now in the online space and in my business. Ready to make more money with heart? Let's go. We're here today to talk about 10 things you need to launch your coaching business. I wish someone gave me this checklist at the start of my business. It's kind of like when you have a baby at the hospital, no one gives you an instruction manual. You're like, what am I supposed to do with this new human? Like, are you sure I'm supposed to take it home? Like, who's going to monitor me? Who's going to tell me what to do? Same thing with your coaching business, right? There is no instruction manual. There is no one size fits all, right? Um, And so what I want to do is really simplify it and tell you. 10 things to focus on if you are working on starting your coaching business or consulting offer income stream, something like that. At the start of my business, I did not want to call myself a coach. I was like, okay, I could call myself a mentor. Maybe you like calling yourself an educator. Maybe you like calling yourself a strategist, but like same thing. You know what I mean? If you are thinking about launching that type of revenue stream in your business, you are going to love this training today. And I'm going to walk you through the 10 things that you need to make sure that you have in order to launch your practice. It includes some of the marketing pieces. It also includes some of the backend policy pieces. And to be honest, this is gonna be a good training because I've never seen a training like this before that really encompasses all of that. And I feel like that's what makes me unique in being able to teach you this. Number one, I've been in the online space for seven years. So like I know a thing or two, right? Number two, I have been leading my own vibrant coaching practice for seven years. And so I really know what it takes on the front and marketing wise, but I also know what it takes on the back end to keep happy clients and to serve clients really well and to always be improving my coaching skills, right? Um, and so that's why I created this checklist all in one and spoiler alert, if you like this checklist and if it resonates with you, this is all the things I help you with in getting coach the program, right? This is essentially like all that I teach you to do. So as I'm going to give you this, I know sometimes like I get to my clients, like when we like look at what we have to do, sometimes it's like opening a messy closet and we're like, ah, it gets more stressful before it becomes stress-free. But what I want to encourage you is you don't have to do this alone. I'm going to open your messy closet and show you all the things that you're lacking in your coaching business right now. Right. And if you're a current coach, who's not yet fully booked, you might be like, oh shoot, I'm supposed to have a structure for my sessions. I'm supposed to have a framework. I'm supposed to have between session support. I'm supposed to have boundaries. Like, as you look at this, right, I'm just giving you a reality check of the things that you really should have to thrive as a coach to help your clients thrive. But know that I'm not like leaving you to the wolves. And I'm not saying you have to do this alone. What I'm saying is I want to help you create all of these things in your business. And that's why I love you. A lot of my clients that come into Gate and coach again, have coaching practices, but maybe they've kind of just been like piecing it together here and there. And they've never sat and thought through all the processes and systems. And what I find is that when you do solidify some of these structures, like smooth onboarding, like smooth offboarding, you're able to have way more peace in your business. You're able, to save a ton of time, but also you're able to be more confident in how you sell clients into your business because you know, you're inviting them into a clean house, right? I don't know about you, My house is messy right now. But when my house is clean, when I've like deep cleaned my house, I just cannot wait for the opportunity to invite someone over, right? Because I know my house is clean, right? It's like, I'm almost like want to show it off versus like when my house is messy, it's not. Another great example of this is like when I get myself ready for the day, like when I do my hair, when I do my makeup, when I get dressed in something cute, like I feel confident going into the grocery store. I'm like, "Mm, I hope I run into someone I know, right? Versus when I'm not feeling confident in myself, when I'm like... Like, maybe just like headed from the gym or like my hair is a mess. Um, then I almost like hide a little bit. I'm like, oh, I hope I don't run into anyone I recognize, right? Oh, I hope no one comes over to my house because my bathroom's a mess, right? So I think like when we take care of our coaching systems and processes behind the scenes, right? When we have smooth onboarding, when we have good session structure, what I've seen for my clients, several of them in getting coached this last round were existing coaches and had some clients but weren't fully booked, right? And what I saw in them as they cleaned up the back end of their coaching business, it gave them so much confidence to sign new clients because it was like, of course, my house is clean. Come and see it, right? Of course, I'm an amazing coach. Come and get coached by me. Of course, once you sign to, because I know that you're someone who's heart-centered, right, and you want to make money online, but you also want to serve well your clients. And some of that is really hard to do if you don't have some of those structures, right? Okay, Um, let me tell you a story and then let's dive into the 10 things you need for your coaching practice. Okay. Um, you you may or may not know if you follow me on Instagram that I may or may not be taking bachata dance classes recently. It's a Latin style dance. It's from the Dominican Republic. I'm on my fifth lesson and I don't know why, but I am like loving it and this really in the season of my life you guys know my story like you know had a few hard chapters in my life like as a single mama right and so in a lot of the phases of my in my business for my clients but also as a mama i'm very like structured right and very like in my brain and in my thinking and so the only thing i can come to why this bachata is like blowing my mind is because it really forces me to be in the present moment right because when you're dancing we rotate with different partners right And the male in this dance Thinks through the ahead moves and I'm just like showing up and following along, right? Like I don't even need to know what's going on. I just get to enjoy the music and dance and follow the lead, right? And it is just this beautiful gift to me. And really, I feel like in this season of my life, I'm working on being more present in general, right? I'm trying to spend more time at the ocean. Cause I feel like the same thing when I'm at the ocean, when I'm sitting at the beach, I cannot help but be overwhelmed and overcome with presence. I'm someone that's somewhat bad at meditating, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, I try to meditate, but like, I'm kind of too much of a busybody. So, I do really good being present in and relaxing in a forced container. Okay. What do I mean by that? Like, if I go to the gym and I'm working out, right, or I'm doing like a relaxing yoga class, there's that container for it, right? So I think like same thing with the ocean. It's such a nice relaxing container for me because I'm going to do something and it's active. But of course, like when I'm there at the ocean, I cannot help but dig my toes into the sand, hear the waves, feel the salty wet air and just like, thank God for being alive, right? That is presence, that is presence. And I think, um, anyway, what was I saying all that? I think that's partly why I've been enjoying bachata so much is it really is a lot of like present blissful energy and I almost cry every time I feel so happy. I was telling my coach this month, I've been feeling a lot of guilt because like I have just been so happy lately. And I know that I worked my ass off to make that happen. I know in the early years of my business, I really worked hard to like put myself out there and be vulnerable and do some of this stuff, launch my coaching business. And it's not easy. Right. But I think now I'm like really reaping the rewards and I'm almost feeling guilty for that. And so I'm really working on just being grateful for how happy, calm, peaceful, profitable my life and business is and just taking that in, right? Okay, all that to, to say, okay, so that was the context of me doing bachata, right? And I think I've really been trying to work on this mindset instead of saying like, oh, I'm learning to become a dancer. I'm really taking on this mindset of like, no, I am a dancer. Am I a professional dancer? Absolutely not, right? But I am a dancer. Why? Because I'm dancing and because I like it, right? Same thing like you're a writer because you write. You're a speaker because you speak. You're a coach because you coach. Let me say that again, right? I think so often we're waiting for someone to like certify us or qualify us or tell us we're ready or it's time, right? But you are a coach because you have decided I want to be a coach and I like to coach, right? And that's why in getting coach your first client, the a big part of that process is getting paying clients even before I help you refine and perfect your systems because you doing the coaching work if you have one coaching client, whether it's free or paid or whatever, if you are coaching someone, you're a coach. They're the client, you're a coach, right? And so I think there can be something powerful about Uh, owning that identity, even if you feel imperfect in the process, right? Again, like for me, even though I feel like I'm like at square one when it comes to some of this bachata stuff, I'm still really trying to work on the mindset of like, I'm a dancer and I love to dance. And not having to put a disclaimer of like, I'm a new dancer, I'm a bad dancer, right? Same thing with you as a coach. You can say like, I'm a coach, right? You don't have to say like, I'm a newbie coach or I'm a bad coach, right? Like, no, I'm a coach, right? You're not implying, I mean, you don't wanna lie and say like, I'm not gonna lie and be like, I've been dancing for like ever, right? You're not gonna say like, I've been coaching forever but you're just gonna say, I'm a coach, and leave that be. We're so afraid to be inauthentic and we're so afraid to lie, right? Like, why well, do I don't want someone to assume that I've been coaching for 10 years? Well, then don't say you've been coaching for 10 years. But as long as you don't say that, it's okay to have the authentic, pure truth and just say, I'm a coach. I'm a coach. Maybe you want to say, I'm a great coach. I'm a kick ass coach, right? And I think so often we have learned as women to like fill the space or to disclaimer instead of just like, there's the truth. There it is, pass the football. You get to decide what to do with it, right? You're telling your potential clients online, I'm a coach, I'm a great coach, I would love to coach you. And then they get to decide if they wanna be coached by you or not, right? Okay, so- That was my story. And now uh, the reason I told that is because I really want you to come into these 10 things you need to launch your coaching business with that mindset. You guys know, I really believe that mindset is everything when it comes to building your coaching practice. Number one, because whatever type of coaching you're doing, you're going to be doing mindset work with your clients. So I just think it's such a, a, being willing to do it yourself, right? Being willing to be coached. I know for me as a coach, I will always have a coach forever and ever. Number one, because I believe in the work. So of course I'm going to be doing my own work. Number two, and, and like validating that need. I think so often like people like get coaching certifications and then they feel bad for like needing to hire more coaching support. But instead of making it right, instead of making like, of course I'm going to be continuing to hire coaches because that's who I am, right? I want to keep growing and developing. And then I think the other conversation there too is like, it's okay if you need guidance and direction on this business part. Okay. So, oh, that's what I was gonna say, the mindset piece, right? Being willing to do your own mindset work, being able to do your own um work around this, your own confidence, so that you can really um like model that for your clients too. Okay, let's talk about the 10 things. I'm gonna say them and then I'm gonna dive in a little bit deeper. Okay. Clear offer, number one. Number two, launch plan. Number three, onboarding process. Number three, coaching values. Number four, whoops, number five, one, two, three, four, five, coaching framework, six, session structure, seven, between session support, eight, boundaries and policies, nine, coaching skills, 10, onboarding process. I will put these in the show notes. So do not worry. For my, <laughs> for my fear, furious note takers, don't worry, I will write these out, but I really encourage you to ask yourself, which of these do I currently have in my coaching business, if any, and which do I need? Right. I really think like, you know, I'm all about like, I just posted a reel today about it's so important to, you know, work on excellence and not perfection, especially as we're launching something new. Right. But I do think you kind of do need all these 10 things very early on in your business. You don't need everything. You don't need a perfect website. You don't need perfect photos. Right. But you do need these 10 things ideally very early on in your coaching business, AKA like week one because what I found for my clients is like, otherwise you're not going to be able to sustain it, right? You know, again, I'm about like launching it messy, but I think to a certain level, right? We also want to, if we launch things too messy or too by the seat of our pants, then it becomes frantic. And I think one of our biggest jobs as a coach or a service provider, honestly, that we do for our clients is providing stability, providing structure, providing peace, providing grounded energy because usually our clients are hiring us because they are in a spinny thing in their life or business or whatever, right? Like our clients are coming in in a overwhelmed state. So what we need to do is not be overwhelmed, (laughs) right? We need to be calm and grounded and structured to give our clients that space to be messy, right? It's normal. I think sometimes my clients are like, Oh my gosh, my client is having all these problems. Well, of course, like that's why they're hiring you. Right. So I think it's like being willing to be that like grounded presence for our clients. And part of how we do it is having these 10 things in line, having our, our house clean. It doesn't mean like, I always tell myself like, what, what's like the bare minimum that feels good for a clean house, right? Okay. Don't have to be perfectionistic about it. Okay. So having a clear offer, this is something that's so useful. I ask all of my clients this all of the time. How are you feeling about your offer? because if you're not feeling good and excited and thrilled with all of the parts of your offer, it's gonna be very hard to sell, right? It's like if you had a candle that you were selling and you were like, mm, I have this candle and I'm trying to sell it, but I don't really like the price. I feel like I'm really undercharging and I'm not even able to make profit on this candle. So I'm not really selling it, right? Or I feel like I'm way overcharging for this candle so much so that I feel like embarrassed and I don't even wanna sell it, right? Right. Same thing, like maybe your candle, maybe you used to love pink, but you don't love pink anymore. And here you're trying to sell this pink candle. You don't even really like pink. Maybe you did last year, but this year you're just like not vibing with pink, right? I think it's just so important to look at the pricing, the structure, the marketing, all of the elements. There's like five core elements of your offer, right? So that you're feeling aligned and excited with it. And that's the very first thing we do in getting coach Because if you're not feeling good about your offer, it's like, we're just going to be fighting an uphill battle. Like it's not even worth it, right? So I think it's giving yourself permission. I obviously give you a structure for how to create a coaching offer, but I also give my clients a lot of autonomy in creating the, the coaching offer that fits best for them. Especially my clients that have already done some coaching, you might come in knowing you know what, I used to do this many sessions, but now I wanna do this many sessions. I used to love a 30 minute session, but I really wanna start doing 60 minute sessions or vice versa, right? So I think like that's number one, the number one thing you need to launch or relaunch your coaching practice is full confidence and presence with your offer. And I think getting a coach's eyes on this is so useful because then I can help you make decisions out of abundance and not scarcity, right? I can help you decide, is it your intuition that's telling you to raise your price or is it fear that's telling you to raise your price, right? Okay. Number two, a launch plan. A launch plan. I love Carla's episode this week on the podcast because she said, Anna, I have been in business for two years and I have never launched like that with such ease and peace. And here's the thing. I think so often in our business, we look at launches or we've had a bad experience with the launch. And because of that, we're like, oh, launches must be evil. I need to figure out how to have a business to never launch again. Right? And it's almost like saying, I need to figure out how how to have a business without selling. Like we villainize selling, we villainize visibility, we villainize social media instead of figuring out, oh no, if I'm gonna be a business owner, I probably need to learn the skill of launching, whether you decide to launch a program or a book or a freebie, right? Launching is just being willing to talk about something for an extended period of time. And we kind of have to do that in our business, right? And so instead of like villainizing it, it's figuring out a way to do it. So in getting coach, I basically teach you how to do a two-week launch. I have a formula, I have a template, I have all the things that's like fill in the blank. And Carla really talked about how she was able to, in two hours, finish her launch plan. I reviewed it. And then during her launch, she showed up for 10 minutes a day for those 14 days. And she was like, oh my gosh, this was so stress-free and I actually enjoyed it, right? So my high suggestion for you when you do your first launch, or if you've had a dramatic or traumatic launch, is start from square one and just follow my method exactly, my two-week launch process. Not because you have to do that cookie cutter, but I think it's such a great template to start from, and then you can improvise from there. Same thing with I'm dancing right now in bachata, right? I am learning all of the basics to a T, and I am studying them and I am doing them as is, right? That way when we do more freestyle dancing, I'm building on top of that. And some of you guys have never learned to launch. You've never learned the basics, right? And so that is my attempt to get you on the bicycle and really teach you like, this is how you have a really simple, really basic two week launch. Then from there you can innovate, okay? Next thing you need is an onboarding process. I love talking about this. Okay, so this is when someone agrees to work with you, this is a simple way to get them started. So it usually includes a welcome email. That's the most simple thing, right? It's just a little template. That way, when someone says, yes, you can just, maybe you're like at the doctor with your kids, you can copy paste for them the welcome email, right? And so that's the simplest part, but there's a few more steps when it comes to onboarding your clients so that you can give them a great first experience, right? Okay, next is coaching values. This is so, so important. I give you a template of my coaching values because usually if you're attracted to my work, we kind of have the same values. And so you can use that as a starting ground. You can steal my values. Like I don't have the corner on the market on the value of honesty. (laughs) People are always like, I feel bad copying your values. But like, if you also value honesty, you're also allowed to have that as a core value. Right. So I find that a lot of people in the program look at my coaching values and then maybe like tweak them a little bit, take one away, add one. Right. But really looking at what are your values as a coach? I think that's so useful to look at because Again, it helps keep us out of perfectionist mode and instead makes the metric be, am I operating all the parts of my business, the marketing of my business, the delivering of my business in alignment with my values, right? It can be so easy to look to the world and be swayed left and right, right? Or have like multiple competing, you know, interests instead of really pulling back to that. So that's why I think it's so important to get clear on your coaching values. Um... Let's see, let me think of another example one of that. Another one of my coaching values is um, excellence, right? And so again, not perfectionism, knowing that like as a coach, I'm not always gonna get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong with my clients. Sometimes I have to apologize, right? But not feeling like there's a standard of perfection as a coach, but really feeling like there's a standard of excellence. Like I will always show up. I will always make things right for my clients, like that sort of thing. So that's another value as an example. Okay, next my love is a framework. I love talking about this one because I highly I feel like this is the beauty of doing a coaching consulting offer is it sets you up so well to create a signature course right? Signature course that actually works, that actually makes sales, all the things. So I really challenge you to look at what's the framework. So when someone signs to work with me, what's the process I take them to, to get results, right? And this can change over time, but I highly recommend you either have a really structured framework, like step one, two, three, four, five, six, or a flexible framework. In my one-on-one coaching practice, I have a, co- a flexible coaching framework. They all start with C. And when someone works with me one-on-one, I basically sit them down. Well, I don't sit them down. They have a little list. And I say like, hey, here's the six things that we can work on in our time together, right? And that's what I call a flexible framework based on where you're at, based on what you need. These are the six things that we're going to work on together in, in our six months together, right? That's called like a a flexible coaching framework. And I think with one-on-one coaching, you don't have to box yourself into like, you have to follow this plan in this order. Um, As you become more advanced in your coaching, I do think that it can be useful to have a framework, especially if you're hoping to turn something into a course, because once you are group coaching, or once you have a course, you do want to put things in order because you're working multiple people through the same process, right? So I call that more of a structured framework versus a flexible framework. Um, And so you can decide which fits best for you. Okay. Next thing you need, my love is a session structure. So really getting clear on what are, as a coach, how do I like to start my sessions, right? As a coach, how do I like to end my sessions? One of my favorite ways to end my sessions, you know, this if you're a client of mine is what are you most taking away from this session? What's standing out to you, right? So it can be really simple, but I think it does a few things. Number one, it creates a little bit of a rhythm for your clients. Again, if our clients are in a season where things are like chaotic or overwhelming, The structure is routine. It can feel so good and so comforting, right? One of my favorite yoga classes that I take more than once a week is Ashtanga yoga. And this is a yoga practice where the sequence is exactly the same all the way through. And at first as an Enneagram seven, I'm like, this might be a little boring, but it has been the opposite. It has been so calming for me. And on a busy day, it feels like so good to have that predictability, right? As a coach, when we have structure to our sessions, whether it is a group session or a one-on-one session, that session structure can be so delicious for our clients, right? The fact that they're getting a pre-survey with the same questions, the fact that we're opening sessions, um, with the same type of sentence, the fact that we're closing it and it doesn't have to be that formal, but it can be subtle in that way. Right. So getting clear on, I really encourage my clients to get clear on what their first session structure is. Cause often that's a little bit different. And then from there, what is the structure they're coaching moving forward in session? Next is, Ooh, this could be one of my favorites. All one of my favorites, we could talk about this forever. Um, is between session support okay? So, between your sessions, how do you support your clients? I am a big fan of including between session support and coaching. I personally feel like it is the game changer when it comes to helping your clients get results, not just that support, but knowing that you're there should they need you in a boundaried way. I love written support for supporting my clients between sessions for multiple reasons. One of the primary ones being it forces someone to like actually write down and get clear on what they're asking and thinking, which I think is like half the battle, right? Um, But getting clear on what that looks like for you and you might need to shift it. You might need to shift your boundaries there so that it feels good to you. Okay, next is... Boundaries and policies. I love this one because often my heart-centered coaches are not the best at boundaries and not the best at policies, right? Because we care and we love and we want to show up and we want to over-deliver. Yes, that's awesome. But also remember, one of the big gifts, like I talked about, that you give to your clients is that structure, is that predictability, is that leadership. Um, And we do that through boundaries. So our clients know what to expect from us. My clients, for example, know that if they drop me a email right? Or a note for between session support, I will get back to them, but it could be as long as 48 hours. It might be before, but they know that boundary, right? And and if it's a weekend, they know it might be longer. And so I think that there's peace knowing what the boundary is. And so in this section of the program, I really encourage you to ask yourself, what are some of your boundaries? What are some of your policies? What do you do if someone misses a session? What do you do if someone's not paying you, right? And the idea is that you create policies. Policy is actually a boundary, but it's like the business version of it, right? And when it's a policy, it can be really useful because you can say like, hey, Nancy, you missed two sessions. Just to let you know, my policy is that you have to reschedule your session within 48 hours. So if you don't, you lose the session. So I'm going to remind you this one time, but if you do it again, you're going to lose the session, right? Ideas like this, like a copy-paste situation. Otherwise, I think boundaries can get exhausting when we don't pre-decide them, right? And then we, you, if you're a client of mine, you heard this before, but it's so important to have boundaries, but it's also important to be willing to maintain our boundaries, Let me say that again. It's so important to have boundaries, but just as important is being willing to maintain it, right? It's like I tell my kids, hey, hey, baby, it's eight o'clock. We got to go night-night, right? It's being willing at 8.05 to say like, oh, got to get back in bed. It's bedtime. And then at 8.10 to say, oh, we got, it's, it's still, it's bedtime. We got to go back to bed. I think so often we like take it personal or we make drama around it instead of just like executing our boundaries, being willing to maintain them with like a lot of peace and grounded energy, right? And not like second guessing ourselves. Um and that's what making boundaries into coaching policies does is then you can like copy paste it and you can execute and you can maintain it um, in a way that feels really good to you so that you're not compromising on your on your end and you're not like having, um, not remorse, what's the word? Resentment towards your clients, right? And you're providing that stability for them. Okay, nine that you need for your coaching practice is coaching skills, my love. Yes. I am a big fan of always improving your coaching skills. So I actually made a workbook of all of my favorite coaching tools and skills for this course. Um, But I think it's something to where like you can't expect perfection as a coach. I always tell all of my coaching clients that are coaches, the number one skill that you can give your clients as a coach is to be present and to listen. Everything else is a bonus. That sounds wild. Right. Cause I think sometimes as a coach, especially a new coach, we want to like be this circus where we're like performing and being fancy and using all these like coaching skills and tools. Right. Instead of remembering, I think like, as I've gotten more confident as a coach, the less tools I use in some ways. Right. And I only use them when I actually need to, because I'm confident in my skills. Right. So I always tell my clients, go back to listening, go back to square one, because that's the gift. If you sit there with full presence and awareness and consciousness and listen to your clients for 60 minutes, like that is such a gift. Like how often does someone actually like listen to us fully and hold space for us like that, right? And then from that energy, then you're able to pull in I think I do have about 25 skills or tools that I teach. Then you can pull from your tool belt, but from a place of actually being of service and not needing to perform or impress, right? Finally is offboarding. Yes, getting clear on how to re-sign clients, how to upsell clients. I am so fortunate and lucky. I just feel like the luckiest queen in the world that I get to work with so many of my clients again and again. And part of that is luck and skill. I mean, part of that is skill. Part of that is luck. Part of that is me resigning my clients. Like I literally asked that my clients at the end of working together, would you like to keep working together? And it sounds crazy, but so many people don't do that, right? So in Getting Coach, I teach you how to resign your clients in a way that feels really good, really in integrity. And I'm just in love with this process and template I've created. And it's just such a gift because I feel like when clients return to work with you, they get more results, their results get deeper. And I just think it's one of the most fulfilling things that I've done as a coach is being able to support people over the long haul. So we talk about how to upsell people, Resign people, but also how to offboard people. Sometimes people do decide to be done with coaching, which is great, right? And so, just the process for that, for finishing up, collecting a testimonial, all of that. Okay, those are the ten things. I would love to hear from you. Which of those ten things do you need to focus on first or next? I kind of put them in order. And so go in order. If you don't have an offer, you feel so confident about, like that's what you honestly need to be working on. Right. And of course, if you want my support in this, I would love, love to support you and getting coach your first client or your next client or fully book your practice. Right. If you want my support around getting more paying clients, that's the first half of the program. The first six weeks is getting the clients. The second six weeks is coaching them. So coaching skills, business, best practice, all of that that I could not be more proud of this program. And I just want to say like, I'm someone that you can trust with your investment, with your money, with your time, right? I am someone that you, you've you seen me show up online. You know that I know my stuff. You know that I have happy clients. You know that I do good work, right? And I would be honored to guide you through this process, whether you are someone that is you know, launching your coaching practice for the very first time from square one, whether you are a coach and you really feel like it's time to dive in and go back to the basics and um, like really establish your business in a way that feels like rock solid with confidence. Maybe you're fully booked and you're ready to launch a group program, right? Maybe you have a business, but it's not a coaching or consulting business. And you're thinking about adding that on the side. Like that's all the people that this program is perfect for. Okay. My loves, let me know if you have any questions about getting coached. I'm an open book and I'm here to tell you honestly and transparently if I feel like it's a fit or if it's not. Um, And then also... going to say another thing too. Oh, tell me, email me and tell me which of these 10 things you're working on next, because God knows you cannot fry all these fish at once. Like just pick one fish, fry it and see your confidence increase as a coach. Okay. Have a beautiful rest of your day.